And I'm not going to fly here all the way to hear him, so I'm just... I said that on purpose because... But I tell you what, he's a good teacher. Uh, you know, he can just say a few things, and I can immediately pick up, this man is a good teacher. And you are so blessed to have him. Take care of him and his wife. Yeah, he has a good teaching gift. His wife has a bad accent. I didn't say she's bad. I just said her accent is bad. She asked me this morning, did you have a good trip? And, and I trip. I said, ma'am, it's trip. And I said, you could, you could have said three other words. But with all the time you take to say trip. And uh, so uh, I'm working on her. I think we will get some change by Tuesday night. <laughs> okay. I brought this book with me. Finally, God makes sense. I just want to say a few things about a church. If you know me well, you will know that I'm not really big into selling stuff. Um, I have some CDs here. There's very good preach, preaching material on the table. But this book, um, the Lord, uh, I asked the Lord a lot of questions about a lot of things. And, and um, I had a meeting a few years ago with several leaders that I brought together. And then suddenly things started to happen. And, and I saw a picture of puzzle pieces coming together. And the Lord said to me, I will now fulfill every word that I've promised you. And what I if, if I tell you what happened in the last six weeks, it is probably the best time I've ever had in my whole life, seeing God's uh, pieces come together for what he has in mind for the end time. Uh, and I'm really believing we are in the end times. And um, so I'm, I'm super blessed. Now, I wrote this book just to help people. It comes out of my own life. And um, it's not a theological book. So um, you will not be bored. I have a chapter here that's called Wrapped in Bad Smell. You know why I wrote things like this? Because that's where people live. You know, sometimes, uh, you, you probably heard me say this before, most of the books you buy today is the three steps uh, to nowhere and the five keys that cannot open a single door and... Uh, <laughs> It's always about keys and steps and ideas, and the world is tired of that because it's somebody that thought he did three great things to become a millionaire, and now he puts it in a book and everybody buys it, and they don't become millionaires because that's not how life works. But sometimes you will discover that the greatest plan that God has for your life could be wrapped up in bad smell. And uh, so never underestimate things that go wrong with you. That's why I wrote about it, wrapped in bad smell. I have here uh, a chapter on the odd puzzle pieces of our lives. How many of you realize uh, when you build a puzzle, there's always a few pieces that doesn't make sense, uh, and uh, you don't know where they fit. And we all have odd puzzle pieces. Uh, in that chapter, I'll also write about the fact that sometimes the enemy will be successful in bringing a lie into your house, which looks like truth. And you will live with that so-called truth, not knowing it's a lie. And, uh, and the devil will keep you uh, under that until the, the revelation come. 
it's, it's, there's a lot of powerful things in here. You really need to get this. Um, and uh, we, this is the second print. We've, uh, the book came out in March or April, I think. And, uh, but we will not print another, another one of these. So um, I think this is your opportunity. So thank you. This morning we spoke about the different faces of what power looked like. And we spoke about the thing that Jesus said just before he went to heaven where he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. Now, how many of you have not been here this morning? Okay, one, two, okay. Anybody over here? Okay, so there, okay. So there's a few people that's not been here this morning. Now, unfortunately, because you have not been here this morning, I need to do a little bit of a recap of this morning. So those of you who were here this morning, don't blame it on me. It's not my fault that I need to do a recap. It's because of these people. <laughs> they don't even know me, but I have bad humor. That's the only bad thing about my whole life is my humor. Amen. Not my accent. And um, no, I I'm just going to take a, a, a quick recap. Try to get the CD of this morning. Um, <clears throat> The Lord spoke to me five years ago about the upper room and how important it is that America must return to the upper room to rediscover where we come from. And um, I had several upper room conferences with, um, I must say, incredible uh, fruit and effect on the church. That's not what I say. That's what leaders say. A few weeks ago, we had another upper room in West Virginia, and the ripple effect that is coming out of West Virginia is still going on. Um, there's a possibility that I will do an upper room uh, January 14 and 15 in the Founders Inn and Spa, which is part of the CBN network. And they want to bring to leaders from the Virginia Beach area into it in preparation for the Washington, D.C. cry uh, next year, April 9, on Azusa Street Celebration Day. Uh, and the aim is to bring together 30,000 pastors. Now, I will not say more about why those things are going to happen, but that's what I'm involved in by the grace of God. So I brought the church back to the upper room, and then the Lord spoke to me. The Lord said to me again, he said, Son, I want you to read the book of Acts to my people. Now, church, since I'm, I'm starting to read the book of Acts and I read different portions of the book of Acts, I'm not preaching because I told the church this morning I, I travel so much that um, I, I do about 100 to 115 flights a year. And then, you know, you do four or five services every week and you come to a point where you said, man, I cannot fly anymore. I don't want to swipe my car to buy another, car, uh, another a ticket. My wife just bought another one last night. She reminded me, she said, there's one more ticket you need to buy, so don't forget. So we bought it last night online quickly. But um, the Lord said to me, take the church back to the upper room. And without the upper room, you have no book of Acts. Without the book of Acts, Paul would not have been in the picture. Paul in chapter 9 is the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So you cannot take away this whole thing. You cannot take away the upper room. You cannot take away the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit is a reality. The Holy Spirit is not a historic figure that once upon a time was active in the Trinity. 
God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you cannot amputate the Holy Spirit out of the Trinity and call that God. You cannot do it. It's impossible to do it. And, uh, and this year, I have seen the book of Acts in my own life to the point that I actually get scared of God's incredible, detailed involvement in my life. And I want to bring that same excitement to you because wherever I go, I bring churches into the upper room or I bring them into the book of Acts because your success is my success. If God uh, blesses this place uh, and I hear it, I'm blessed. I just got the news today about a beautiful young lady that's here tonight that's been so transformed by the Lord. And I remember three years ago, I met her, and tonight I saw her, and, and I'm so impressed. You say, you say, well, why do you get out of that? I get nothing out of that. They don't pay me money for things I say over people. I'm just blessed to see what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of people. God is in the restoration business, and God is in the power business. So Jesus said, you shall receive power. And then when you look at Acts chapter 2, you will see that in Acts chapter 2, it talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It talks about suddenlies. It talks about fire. It talks about how they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I told you this morning that when Jesus said, you shall receive power, he already knew what chapter 2 will look like. How many of you realize that Jesus already knew years ago about this meeting? He knows everything. He's God. I mean, think of what he created. You cannot even put the whole creation into your thinking and absorb it. It's too big. And you, the God that lives in your heart is the creator of it all. He knows everything. The Bible tells me he counts my hair. Uh, why? I don't know. I mean, it's the first time that I ever met somebody who's interested in my hair count. It's God. So, Brother Shane, on you, he will spend a little bit more time because you have hair everywhere. I mean, I mean you look like a face in a forest. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> he's got good humor. And he's the only person that came to ask me tonight, where did I eat today? I mean, that just shows you he's a real friend. Now, okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about what does power look like. And I'm going to show you two more chapters tonight. What does power look like? Because in this modern day, when we read chapter 2 of the book of Acts, we say, oh, that's what power looked like. Power has many faces. When God says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come over you, it's not only speaking in other languages. It's much more than that. So in chapter 2, we saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 3, we saw how Peter came uh, to the gate of the temple and how he resurrected that man. And, uh, and I believe that when Jesus said in chapter 1, you shall receive power, you already saw Peter in chapter 3 resurrecting that paralyzed man. That's power. Come on. And... Um, and, uh, and, and that's a phenomenal story. Now, when you look at uh, chapter 9, chapter 9 is where Saul became Paul. And, 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 and if you read through that, you will see that the Bible says Paul had letters from the high priest and he was uh, persecuting the church, those who are off the way. Uh, so Paul was actually uh, filled with a religious spirit. I'll tell you what, a religious spirit is very dangerous. 
uh, it's, um, it's almost more dangerous than the devil. Because he killed people. And then the Bible says, and suddenly a light. And I told you this morning, the book of Acts is full of suddenlies. And uh, it's awesome when God suddenly brings things into your life or even people into your life. And uh, the Bible says that a light shone over Paul and he fell down. And then I teach you the new English word that Paul was not a faller or downer. And that's a new word. It's difficult to even pronounce, but um, <laughs> I, see, I see your wife is now sitting further away from me, Pastor. She's afraid her accent will change. But uh, God's power can go right to the end of this church, uh, uh, Sherry. So, I mean, you're okay. You're in the zone where God can do miracles. Now, um, you know, I love humor. I just love to bring humor into the church because I go to church four or five times a week, and if I don't bring humor into it, it's going to kill me. <laughs> um, and uh, so I need to do it. So in chapter nine, uh, chapter 9, we saw how Paul, the Bible says he fell down and he was completely transformed. Was it not for chapter 9, he would not have wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And then we, we had a look at uh, chapter 12, and we spent some time in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is where Peter was in the prison, and we noticed how an angel came and how the angel got him out of the prison. I believe that when Jesus said, you shall receive power, you already saw Peter in chapter 12, how an angel would get him out. And I said a few things about the ministry of angels this morning, and I can tell you what, the ministry of angels is not coming back. It's never left. But the modern-day church is so drawn into programmed church that unless it fits into the program, nobody else can get in, not even an angel. But in the New Testament church, there's room for angelic visitations. I told you how the Lord saved my life last year, and the only person that could have saved my life out of that car when I slid on ice, was an angel. I have never met anybody in America that can drive on ice. But God rescued my life. I told you also that the ministry of angels is normally when there is a tight or a dangerous situation. Uh, and I can tell you stories about how, uh, that I know of, how the ministry of angels uh, became effective and, and how it works. It's powerful. Um, but in chapter 12, you will notice the angel came in and how Peter walked out of the angel and uh, out of the prison. And um, he was in chains in the prison and there was guards outside the prison and there were gates and how they walked through the gates of the city. And we also spoke about how Peter himself said, this is an angel of the Lord that got me out. And then we spoke about how he got to the gates of the city. And we spoke a little bit about gates and uh, I think then I went to chapter 16, and in chapter 16, the Bible says that Paul and Silas were praying, and in verse 26, it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now, this, this morning I told you that when God sent the earthquake to shake the foundation of that prison, it was not an earthquake that shook the whole nation. It was an earthquake that God sent specifically to shake the foundation of the prison where Paul sat. And, and, and power in my life 
will shake foundations of institutions and places and strongholds. When I go in there and they try to imprison me, and I am a man of God, a woman of God, or I have a mandate of God upon my life, God is willing to shake the very foundation of the very institution that's trying to put you in prison. Isn't it powerful? I believe that when Jesus said, you shall receive power in chapter 1, he saw Paul in chapter 16, how the power will shake the foundation of the prison. This morning I made this statement and I said that when God gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us more than just uh, an experience. He gave us a power package. And when you, when you realize that you walk with a power package upon your life, you start to expect things to happen in places. Uh, and, and when things start to happen, even in the marketplace, just because you, you walked in there and, and, and favor starts to come your way, and you break into strongholds, even in the way they think in the marketplace, then you realize God's power is at work. I remember February this year, I was booked in a church in Ohio, and it was a double booking, and I would have flown up just for one day, and the pastor felt very awkward, and I said to him, no, I think it's God who wants me to be off. And I said, give it to the other person. I don't, I don't need to come. I'll cancel my ticket, and I, I, I just took off. Well, God had a plan. <clears throat> for more than a year, my wife and I spoke about something, and we spoke about it into the finest detail. With my schedule, it's hard to get me to be, I mean, if you want to talk to me, let's do a barbecue. Uh, and you say, hey, can, can we barbecue when we are together in Atlanta? Then I need to go to the schedule. Because I, I'm, I'm always traveling, flying. And I, I, unfortunately, it sounds, when I go to the dentist, they say, hey, can we book you? I said, ma'am, you know my story. I said, you cannot book me for another appointment. I need to be at my schedule. But I can tell you six months ahead where I will be. So six months ahead, that Wednesday, I'm available. I will be in Atlanta. I can do a dentist appointment. But you know what? God canceled that meeting. We spoke for a year about something. And when you, when you try to find that something, you will not find it. It, it. it is so scarce, you will not find it in America. You can Google, you can do everything. And uh, my wife was Googling, and she was uh, uh, on the Internet, and she tried to find it and couldn't find it. In the meantime, my meetings got canceled, and she said, well, this is our anniversary. Let's get into the car and just drive. Well, I cannot drive with her on a Saturday morning because I'm always on my way to the airport. She takes me to the airport. So here we have a Saturday morning. And we are off, and uh, we don't know what to do. It's rainy, it's cold, and we're on a drive. And two hours later, we walk right into a situation that we spoke of for more than a year, and we don't know where to see it, find it in the whole of America, and it happened on our doorstep. And when it happened, I said to Naomi, this is a book of Acts thing happening right here. Because I would not have found this had I been in Ohio this weekend. That's why the meeting had to be canceled so that God can orchestrate a miracle on my doorstep that I would never have known about because I'm, I'm never there. 
And, and, and if I tell you what it is, it'll blow your mind, but it's none of your business. <laughs> because by now you are so excited, you want me to tell you what happened. I cannot tell you everything. Okay. But you know what? I've, I've come to the conclusion. God cares. God cares. Now, church, why did God's power got Peter out of the prison? Peter was a man that had a mandate upon his life. And if you have a mandate upon your life, if, you re- if, you, if it dawns on you that you are a man and a woman of purpose. Now, church, you will understand that I'm not preaching hell and brimstone here. I'm not preaching the three keys and the five steps. I'm giving you a picture of what the book of Acts looked like. I- I'm trying to show you what power should look like in your everyday life. And if you don't see it, you cannot grasp it. If you don't grasp it, it doesn't work for you. Uh, you must first hear something before it can become something in your life that, is, that manifests in your life. And, uh, and that's why I'm so excited. I want to bring the church into the reality of living the book of Acts every day. And I came to the conclusion that if I have a mandate upon my life, uh, God will take care of me. Now, a mandate upon my life doesn't mean you must be a pastor or an evangelist or whatever. We all have a mandate upon our life. Your life is so precious to God, He doesn't want you to die one day before your time. But if you don't know that He loves you that much, you can't die before your time because you don't even know how intense He loves you. I mean, why does God count your hair? Your hair will not even go to heaven. Come on. Your hair is not going to go to heaven, but he counts it. It shows you how, how attracted he feels towards you. You are so precious. He created you. And, and, and nobody else uh, wants a hair count but God. So I found out God loves my hair. He loves how much I have. He knows my color preferences. And um, now let's go to Acts chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter um, 27. Amen? That was a recap. So uh, now that's the introduction for tonight, chapter 27. We're talking about power and what power looks like. In Acts chapter 27, we find the Apostle Paul. They are on a ship and they're going shipwreck and they are in trouble. And they are about to lose everything. And um, it says there in chapter 27, verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Uh, So here is Paul, and he said to them, You should have listened to me. Number one, the Bible says they, they had a long abstinence from food. Paul is now actually exhorting them, and he says, you should have listened to me uh, uh, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this great disaster and loss. So basically, Paul warned them. They did get on the ship. They did sail, and now they're in trouble. Aren't you glad that God still takes care of us even sometimes when we miss it? 
You know, the mandate upon your life will not go away just because you missed it once. God is not that unfair. He's faithful even when I wander off a little bit and he knows I'm going to get him back on track, but I'm going to do this thing in his life. That's God. And church, mandate for me is not something I read about. Mandate for me is reality. I live in it. And I want to give it to you tonight. I want you to realize how strongly God is involved in your life. And he said to him, he said to all the men on the ship, he says, I now urge you to take heart. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. That, that's now actually a prophetic word. Here you have Paul. He's on the ship. And now he's saying to the men, because they, could all, they all knew, we're going down. And Paul said to them, I've got a good word for you. There will be no loss of life, but only of the ship. You really need to hear from God to say things like that. Because they already lost a lot of their possessions. And the Bible says, watch what Paul says. He says, for they stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. That's now Paul that strongly admit there is such a thing as the ministry of angels. So what am I saying to you? When Jesus said you shall receive power, he already included angels as part of the power package. You know what? To, to be on a ship and you're supposed to lose your life and God is going to bring you off the ship safely, that's power. That's not a lucky draw. That's divine power at work. And, and I believe that when Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes over you, you already knew that the same power of the Holy Spirit will bring Paul and all the men off the ship safely. For me, that's power. Come on. Power is not just an, ex, uh, uh, an experience with the Holy Spirit. Power is when I am supposed to be dead and power rescued me. Now, watch what happened here. He says, number what, the first thing I like about this is this. He said, they stood by me this night. An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. So, Paul was very confident in serving God and I belong to him. And now Paul admit, he sent an angel. Can you see? They are in a tight situation, in a difficult situation. And normally in a situation like that, God can send in an angel and rescue. And church, I wish I can tell you just stories coming out of Africa, how we have seen that happen. It is phenomenal. And uh, the Bible says, and he said, uh, do not be afraid, Paul. This is what the angel told Paul. He says, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. That is a powerful statement. That is actually why Paul's life has been rescued. He's, the, the angel gave him a reason. He said, the reason you will come out of the ship it's because you, Lee Brown, must be at a certain place 
10 years into the future, I need your voice. I've put a mandate upon your life to be at a certain place 10 years into the future, and that is the reason why no storm will take you down. Can you see there? There's the mandate. Paul had a mandate upon his life. God needed him to write the New Testament, and God needed him to be a voice, and God decided, I will rescue him because I need him in the future. So when you and I become people of destiny, and we know that God has me on this earth for a reason to rescue one life, even if it's one life, if God knows that you're going to rescue one life 15 years from now that's going to shake the nations, God will keep your life because you will say to Caesar what nobody else will say to Caesar. It's not everybody that will say to Caesar what Caesar needs to hear. And I'm telling you, when you have a Caesar appointment, God says no ship can take you down. But I want to show you something else the Bible says. He said to him, uh, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you and all of those who sail with you. God granted this favor to you and all of those who sail with you. So now God said to Paul, I want you to stand before Caesar, and that's why I will rescue you. But while I have you on the ship and I have all these men that are connected to you, I will now rescue them as well. Make sure you are connected to somebody that has a destiny purpose upon their life because if you're connected to the right person, to the right church, you could be included in the power package. That's what the angel said. He said, for they stood by me, an angel of the Lord tonight, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Not one of them will stand before Caesar, but they are included in something that God is going to do. For, that's powerful. That tells me that I need to be sure, be careful who I connect myself to. And I'm doing it my whole life now because I, I just cannot run with everybody because there's a lot of people that has no purpose in doing anything for God. And uh, anyway, so now let's go to chapter 28. Now in chapter 28, the Bible says, uh, we're going to find Paul now. They arrive at an island called Malta, verse 1. They did not even know it's Malta. Here you have an apostle who almost, they lost everything they had. And they landed, uh, landed on, a, on an island, Malta. You know, sometimes you will land in a place where you don't even know how you got there. It doesn't mean you've missed the Lord. Come on. God will sometimes use a twisted situation for good. He will bring something good. He will give oil of joy for mourning. Beauty for ashes. He has the ability to build purpose where nobody sees purpose. That's God. 
And the Bible says, and they had escaped, and they found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, and they kindled the fire and made us all welcome because of the rain uh, that was falling and because of the cold. So now the Bible says they lost everything, and now it's also rainy and it's cold. So that tells me that Paul was exposed here to very, very, very difficult situations. But you know what I love about him? His mandate does not, his mandate cannot be taken away from him. Circumstances cannot kill you, cannot derail you. It may seem like it does, but it cannot. Now watch this. The natives showed us kindness, verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Just when he's off the ship, made it, had an, an angel visitation, another devil, another demon comes out of the fire and bite him in the hand. Doesn't that look like life? I mean, just when you had an incredible Sunday night service, you see, you receive an incredible word. Monday morning, there's a snake waiting, waiting at you at the office. Bible says a viper came out of the fire and bite him. Don't be led by the bite of Satan. We all have evidence tonight. When I, if I talk to people here tonight, everybody will show me the mark of the bite of Satan in their life. Could be in your mind, could be a mental problem, could be a physical problem. The bite of Satan is reality in this life. But the bite of Satan will not always take us down. It's just an effort. You see, when you have mandate upon your life, the bite of Satan will come at you. And uh, because the moment the angel spoke to Paul, that Satan did not know it. But the moment Paul said to the people, an angel, he released it into the natural atmosphere, the angel, the, the devil heard it. And when the devil heard, oh, I need to tell you what's happening in the political world. I cannot tell you what's happening in the political world. There's major things happening in the political world. A prophecy that I heard in 1997. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I will tell you the story, Pastor. I don't want to say it from pulpits. But I'm telling you, uh, it's a story about when God sends a word, the devil will always send a word against what God has already said. And, and I see it, uh, it play off right now in America. It's phenomenal. Anyway. But uh, so he got bitten by uh, uh, the snake. And, and the Bible says, and when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he had escaped the siege, yet justice does not allow him to live. So immediately when the, when the people from the island saw that he was bitten by the viper, they said, oh, he must be a murderer. It's amazing how quickly people jump to conclusions. Something goes wrong in your life and they say, oh, brother, I'm telling you, it's no wonder it happened to him because if you know what I know, you will understand he must be a murderer. Can I tell you something? Paul did murder people in his previous life. But that was now under the blood of Jesus. That's non-existing. But you know what? 
The devil will always send people to say the right thing about something that did exist in your life, but it does not exist in your life anymore. But somehow the devil will come and say something that sounds like truth, and you will hear it. And if you're not under the blood of Jesus, you will think, oh, my God, now God has never forgiven me. Because why do they say I'm a murderer? Then God did not forgive me because I, I was under the impression that God did forgive me. No, they just don't know what they're talking about. You should not listen to that. That's cheap talk. But that's what they said. They said, oh, he must be a murderer. But he shook off the creature in the fire, and he suffered no harm. It does not say in verse 5, and he called 911. <laughs> they had no cell phones those days. It does not say, and he had a panic attack. Bible says, he shook it off. And he suffered no harm. When Jesus said, everybody say when Jesus said. When Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. I believe he saw Paul in chapter 28 shaking it off. Everybody say shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Don't say it like Arkansas country. Say shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it Come on. Come on, Shane. You can write a song on that. You know what? Power will help you to shake things off. This is what Paul is doing here. And uh, however, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Now, I don't want to preach about the expectancy of people. Oh, people always have an expectancy of what would happen with you. Oh, I remember in my early days, some of them don't like what they see today because those days they thought, oh, he will not amount to anything and he will not accomplish this and he will never be able to do this or that and he comes out of the wrong family and his background is against him and he was a this and he was a that and he will never, oh, he will never, he will never. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Happens in every part of this world. But the Bible says, and they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time. <laughs> you know what? These people that's watching my life for more than 30 years. And you know what? The Bible says after they had looked for a long time. There's people watching you for a long time. Come on. Well, she just got delivered from this and this, and I don't know whether she will stay delivered. No, no, no. They're going to watch you for the next 30 years, and they're going to discover it was not a lucky thing that happened. She was really delivered by the Lord, and she's now living for 30 years. Come on. Come on. I love it when people watch other people for a long time and they stand in the window and they just watch. And I, if I find you watching me at the window, I'm going to say to you, you look like Micah who watched David through a window. You're going to wait there for a long time. 
because I'm pretty serious about what I'm doing. And I'm, nothing is going to happen with me. What you desire will happen with me because the bite of Satan will do me no harm. The Bible says, and after they had watched him for a long time, they changed their minds. Do you know that's the most difficult thing in America to do? To change the thinking of people. I mean, they have debates, they have roundtables on television, and, and then they have five and six people that argue every night on different news stations. I'm so tired of looking at that. And they try to change one another's minds. You cannot change the mind of a politician. You cannot change the mind. I mean, some people have convictions that is so weird. Don't talk to them about it. Don't change their minds. But listen to this. Power. Power demonstrated in front of your natural eye will change your mind. I have a friend in Atlanta. He's, uh, he's uh, the coach of coaches in uh, Adventures for Christ. He's from South Africa. And uh, they have, any given time, they have a thousand plus people in teams all over the world. They cover 11 nations every year. Every team cover 11 nations. He's the coach of coaches. There was a young girl that came in for training, and they received their men from all different church backgrounds. And she said to Dion, a friend of mine, she says, Well, Pastor Dion, I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I've never seen it happen, and I just don't believe in it. And I want you to pray for me, and if it does not happen, it'll be a confirmation that it does not happen. So Dion said, you want me to pray for you? And Dion prayed for her, and nothing happened. So Dion is the coach of coaches, and she went to bed that night, and 2 o'clock that morning she found herself sitting upright in her bed speaking in tongues. And she came the next morning, slide down the aisle, and she says, Pastor, Pastor Dion, I now believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this one. She went to India. She had the same problem with healing. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in healing. She, he said, well, you, we're going to send you and the team to India. Went to India, got off the plane, and they needed to go to a bus, and there was a paralyzed Indian woman sitting by the road who asked for prayer. And this girl was so frustrated and irritated with this Indian woman that she just shouted to the woman, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And she walked off. And just when she wanted to step into the bus, she heard a, a scream uh, back at her. And when she looked back, the woman came back on her legs and God resurrected her right in front of her eyes. And she called Pastor Dion in Atlanta. She says, God healed a woman that was paralyzed her whole life. And I was not even in the mood of praying for her. And God healed her with my prayer filled with irritation and frustration. She says, but I now believe in healing. Power will change your mind. Never say never. Because when you see power in action, it will change your mind. It was the same Paul who said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he said to the Corinthians, I did not come to you with the enticing words of man's wisdom. 
Because Paul knew, if I'm going to try and impress them with my words, I will never have any in. He said to them, but I come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul says, and when, they, and when they had watched him for a long time, they changed their minds and they said he was a God. Now watch this. A few verses back, they classified him as a murderer. The same people changed their minds a few verses later, and they promoted him to be a God. Not capital letter G, small. So he went from a murderer to a God, and all he did was he just shook it off. He did not teach them. He did not train them. He did not try to convince them. Power will change people's thinking about you without you doing much. That's powerful. Now he's a God. When Jesus said, you shall receive power, I believe Jesus saw the whole chapter 28. Can I preach a little bit more? I mean, you all know this is the end of the chapter, so I cannot really do much more. There's not another chapter, but there's a few verses left. Okay. And in that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island. So now the Bible, the magnifying glass of the Holy Spirit is now on the leading citizen of the island. Now watch this. They landed on the island and they did not even know what the name of the island is. Now the leading citizen of the island is in the picture. Power will never lead you astray. Power will always bring you where you need to belong, even if it does not look good in the beginning. Bible says the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us cautiously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever and dysentery. And Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. Wow. When Paul landed, when the island, when the angel appeared to him on the ship, he did not even know they're going to land up on island. He did not even know he's going to be bitten by a viper. He did not even know they're going to see him as a god. You see, sometimes before they admit who you are, they will first try to make you something you're not. They try to make him a murderer. But And now he prayed for the father of a leading citizen, and God healed him. Power will get you where you need to be, no matter who comes against you. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came, the rest of those, verse 9, the rest of those who were on the island also came. Church, I love it. I love it. I want to say to you one thing. In the year 1999, I had my last chance, actually in 2000, I had my last chance to say to God, I will not go to America. I will stay right where I am. I had all the reasons in the world not to come. 
I was at the age where I said, God, I'm too old to, to come and go to another nation to emigrate. It's going to be too difficult, and I don't want to do it. Now that I look back, I want to say, thank God, I was never led by circumstances. But I've allowed the Holy Spirit to take me where he wants to take me. Because I can honestly say tonight before you, or in front of you, I can say that when you walk faithfully, and you're obedient to the mandate, and you say, I'm willing to stand before Caesar, no ship and no storm can take you out. Have I had some storms in my life? Absolutely. But I'm saying to you, when God rescued you from a ship, and he rescued those who are with you, you realize, I live in a power that is beyond the norm. For an angel to come and say to me that I will make it and everybody with me, I'm telling you, church, let's get a mandate upon our life. Why are you in this building tonight? Because you are in this building tonight to hear that you're a man and a woman of mandate and no storm will take you out because you all have a Caesar appointment. Now, a Caesar appointment for Paul and a Caesar appointment for you is two different things. Because God created him to stand before Caesar, but God created you to do something else. And if you find out what it is, you can say to Satan in the future, Satan, you cannot do me any harm. I think, I think when, when Paul looked at his hand, he probably had a mark in his hand where that viper bit him. And Paul could have said, I've got the evidence that even Satan knew I'm a man of destiny. Because the sign in my hand, the mark in my hand is a sign that even Satan... You see, church, if you have a purpose and a destiny, Satan will come at you. Oh, yeah, he will come at you. Because he doesn't want you to stand before Caesar. Because you're a threat for his kingdom. So don't go into a pity party when you say, well, once upon a time I've been bitten by Satan, men, and I've come through hell and high waters. No. So that is the sign where Satan tried his last, did his last effort, and he was unsuccessful. Why did Paul said, why did he shake it off? I believe he probably said in his heart, I will stand before Caesar Satan. So I'm going to send you back to hell where you belong. You came out of the fire, go back to the fire. By the way, God has never made hell for you. God made hell for Satan and his angels. And when he shook him off, Paul said, you cannot kill me before the time. You cannot take me before the time. The normal thing is you swell up and die. I will not swell up and die. What you do to me will not make me swell up and die. And Satan, what you don't even know is you have now, because you bit me by the hand, you've now put a thought into the thinking of the people. Now they think I'm a murderer. But even that will change. Because, when I, will not, because I will not swell up, they will change their mind. So I'm going to shake you off because I have a Caesar appointment. Doesn't matter who says what. You have a Caesar appointment. 
I'm 63. Why am I alive? God has brought me to America. I'm in this nation 15 years. The last few weeks, things happened to a point. Two months ago, I got a prophetic word of a young prophet, and he prophesied to me something, and he said, Pastor Randall, this is going to happen. You don't want this to happen. You're not interested in this. You don't seek it out. You don't even, you don't even want to go there. But whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. It's a, it has something to do with exposure. And he gave me this word. And six weeks later, a, a, a man came up to me and says, we want you to get involved in this, this, this. And I said, oh, God, that's what Abner prophesied to me six weeks ago. It's in my face. I cannot wish it away. Why? When you have an appointment in your future for certain things that God wants you to do, that day will surely come. There were many, many days that I thought I will not make it. There were many, many days that I thought I cannot, I cannot go on like this. But you know what? When you have a Caesar appointment, you will shake tiredness off. You will shake weariness off. You will shake all kinds of challenges off. And you can say to Satan, my mother went to heaven when she was 60, but I have a different mandate upon my life, and I will not go the same way my mother go. Come on. The bloodline curse that were on my family will not affect me any longer because they had a different appointment. But I have a Caesar appointment. I am a different generation. And I will go to an island, and I don't even know what the island will be called. And even on my way to my Caesar appointment, the devil will come and bite me. But because I know what my mandate is, I can already say to Satan, this is your last lucky try, and it's not going to work. Come on. So what am I saying to you? Oh, you all have challenges, difficulties, issues, things that happens in your life. There's not a single person in this building that can tell me you don't have challenges and difficulties and things that comes at you. But I have a good word for you. It'll do you no harm. You will not swell up. You will not die. This is not your season to go out of this life. You don't have the age to do it. Come on. If you're not even close to 90, don't even worry. Come on, go and read the Bible about what your lifespan can be. And when you study what your lifespan can be, then you realize, okay, okay, okay. I'm not preparing for a funeral. I'm preparing to meet Caesar. <sighs> yes, you may lose your ship. But if I lose my ship and I lose my house, it doesn't mean I'm losing my destiny. Paul, haven't had a lot of food lately, pretty hungry. But you know what? Even hunger cannot keep me away from my destiny. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is this. When Jesus said, you shall receive power, and you shall be what? Witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me. You shall stand before Caesar and witness about me. Come on. God wants your mouth to be still around 20 and 30 years from now. Come on. That's what Jesus said. The, Jesus said, the power that will come over you will make you a witness to me. That's the first job description of power. That's the first reason Jesus gave you power, to be a witness. Witness to him? Can you see how, can you see the incredible uh, 
emphasis God puts on your mouth. Can you see, you say, well, I, I just told this, uh, this person about Jesus and I just, I just tried to win him over. You say, well, I just talked. No, no, no. Jesus said, don't say, I just told him about Jesus. That's the reason he gave you power so that your mouth will witness. What's small in your eyes is big in heaven. When you talk to somebody, God says, he's talking about me. He's using my power to tell them about me. It's massive in heaven. It's very big in heaven. That's why he said the first thing. He says, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. That's why the angel said, you must stand before Caesar. Because Paul, you, have a, you, you are the only one that can stand before him the way you will stand before him. You see, there's certain things, certain areas in your life where you will have an authority that I don't have. And I will have in certain areas an authority that you won't have. But because we have different appointments in our future, we're going to live today and not die. Say this after me. By God's grace, I have future appointments that's on his agenda. It's finalized. It's set. And because of that appointment, no storm can take me out. The bite of Satan will do me no harm. And in the process of getting to my Caesar appointment, I will win people for God. I will go to islands, places, cities, appointments, offices I don't even know about. And pray this as well. Say, and on my way to my destiny, God will even send special forces, angels, that can get me out when man will put me in prison because I am that important to him. Church, this is not a sermon. I'm reading you the book of Acts. And it's more than just the book of Acts. I don't want to say that I live this because I don't want to sound super spiritual. But I'm telling you, when I, when I, when I listen to what the prophets said in 1982 and in 1990 to me, prophesied to me in South Africa, then I realize, when I listen to what the prophets said lately, then I realize, God... You know about me. Two months ago, I was in a conference. I was not supposed to be there. It was called the Empowerment Conference. And the pastor that was 
bringing all these hundreds of leaders together was in one of my upper rooms last year. He's a key leader. And I prophesied to him on a Friday night late about his whole life. And he's a very important person that belongs to a great denomination. And so I gave him this word, discovered lately, afterwards discovered who he was and what happened. And then he invited me to his church and I preached there. And then he said, I want you to come to my conference. I want you to see all the leaders that's coming. And he wants me to see it because he wants to do a future upper room conference there. So I flew in from another set of meetings into the city for one night only to see what's going on because I need to first see what the environment looks like before I can commit myself for an upper room. And in that conference, there was a young prophet who wanted to meet me. I've never met him, and other leaders told him about me and vice versa. And uh, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't even know where I come from. And in the breakout session, because I, I'm checking out this whole conference and I'm meeting leaders, I decided that I will go into the breakout session of this young prophet where he will speak in a breakout session. And I just want to sit there because I, I want to see what his gift is all about. I want to see what does the gift look like and how. And he taught about the prophetic and it was so powerful. And I met him afterwards, and I said to him, Luke, I said, I want you to just pray over my life. And, uh, and we sat down after the session was over, and we sat down on the front pew, and, uh, and he took my hand, and he started to pray over me. And, and, then he, and then he started to prophesy things that he does not even know what he's prophesying. And he said to me, Pastor, I don't know what this is, but I see a black man in my spirit. The man is black. And then he said, and, and immediately when he spoke about a black man, I thought, okay, it's got something to do with Africa because I come from Africa. I'm an African-American albino. <laughs> just want to wake you up a little bit. I cannot give you everything I know. I just give you, you know, just make you, you know, make you feel welcome, okay? And um, so he, he prophesied over me and he said, I see a black man, I see a black man. And, and the Lord says, the fire of this black man is going to come upon your life. The fire that's in the bones of this man is going to come into your bones. And I thought, Lord Jesus, what is this? And then he said, the black man is on the West Coast, and he's got one eye. I said, oh, Lord, what's going on? This is, this is weird. I mean, a black man on the West Coast, which West Coast? South Africa, America, Australia, New Zealand, what West Coast? He says, now the West Coast of America, there's a black man with one eye, and the fire of this man is going to come upon you. Prophesied, prophesied, prophesied. End of the prophecy, I said, look, what is this? He says, I don't know. He says, let's Google it. I said, Google. I said, yeah, that's the younger generation. That's all they know, Google. You Google everything, and you just find out what's going on. I don't even think of Google. I'm 63. I don't, my mind doesn't even go there. And he Googled it. He says, Pastor, I found him. And he said, that's exactly the picture I saw in the Spirit. I said, what is it? He said, the man's name is William Seymour. He had one eye. That's where the Azusa Street Revival started. And, and, this, and I said, do you know who is William Seymour? He says, no, sir, I don't know who he is. 
I said, I'll tell you who William Seymour is. William Seymour is the father of Pentecost. I said, that's where the Azusa Street Revival started. I said, but do you know what, Luke? Luke, uh, William Seymour's church was called the Apostolic Faith Mission. Out of that came John G. Lake. He went to South Africa in 1908. And out of John G. Lake's ministry, phenomenal miracles happened, came forth the Apostolic Faith Mission denomination that is the, the largest Pentecostal denomination in South Africa. That's where I come from I said Lord what's going on here you see when you have destiny and purpose God will bring the pieces together even 30 years after he told you it because God is not afraid of time and 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 uh and I, I spoke to another gentleman. He says, next year we have an event. It's going to happen on Azusa Street uh, celebration. Would you come and pray over the pastors that the fire of the upper room will come upon them? I said, on which day? He says, on, on Azusa Street. I said, Azusa Street. I said, Azusa Street. Celebration of William Seymour's life. He said, God, you are a God of extreme detail. Even if it takes you 35 years, you will bring the puzzle pieces together. And finally, God will make sense. But not only in my life. Also in your life. I feel the kiss of God upon this meeting. And I am here to say to every man and woman in this building. God will work in the same fine detail. I had to wait 35 years. To see what happened the last three months. And it's worth it all. When he builds the puzzle, and you can almost see the picture, and God says, the three missing pieces that you thought is missing, I've got them up my sleeve. I've just waited to see whether you will be faithful in following me. And now I will put the final pieces together. And when he puts it together, you will go crazy like me when I was in Houston. And when he told me, the one-eyed black man is William Seymour. He was in Houston those days, and they put him outside the building because he's a black man. And he was not supposed to be in the building. And the white man who spoke about the Holy Spirit was inside the building. They put William Seymour outside the building. He cannot come in. And God decided, Houston, if you will not allow him in the building, then I will send him to the West Coast. And when he got to the West Coast, Azusa Street revival broke out on the West Coast. Because you can throw somebody out of the building, but you can never throw the Holy Ghost out of the nation. <laughs> Does this do anything to you? Just show your excitement if you do have something. Shane, can you help me, brother?
I hope this does something to you. Because in everything that I've said, even what happened with me this year in February, I'm trying to say to you, God is at work, whether you believe it or not. The book of Acts is alive. And God's Holy Spirit pen is writing tonight another chapter. And God is saying to every man and woman, the power of the Holy Spirit is not what you get when you're in church. The power of the Holy Spirit is a constant power working in the marketplace every day of the week, wherever you go. And you can get in your car like Naomi and I in February, and you can drive. And you can come across something that you spoke about for two years, and God will take your breath away. And you will say, Lord, why do you do this? And then you hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying to you, because you run after me, I will now run after you. Because you are willing to go wherever I send you, I will make it my mission to find out what you like, what color is your preferences. You, don't, you did not ask me, but I'm God. I know your hair count, and I sure know how to get into your house. If I can send an angel to get into your house, I can get in. And I can stand at the door, and I can listen to what you and your wife discuss for more than two years. People sometimes tell me, you prophesied me something that I've discussed with my husband in my bedroom. God knows everything. On the Saturday that I'm off, that I was not supposed to be off, and I only discovered it three days before the Saturday, I will not fly this Saturday. I thought, God, what's going on here? You want me to rest? Yeah, I want you to rest. But I also heard your discussion in the bedroom. But God, why do you do it for me? God says, you don't understand how much I love you. I can honestly say to you, he's good. If you just know how precious you are, you will find out every time you look over your shoulder, you're going to see, see, God is coming after you. He's not coming after you to judge you. He's coming after you to take care of you. Because you're a woman and a man of mandate. Paul. 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 Paul, you want to know what power looks like, Paul? Paul. Can I show you what power looks like, Paul? Paul, when you look at the storm, death is written over it. Paul, the storm is so intense, it's going to destroy the ship. Wow. But not human life. A storm that destroys a ship is normally a storm that will destroy everybody that's on the ship. To tear a ship apart 
that must be a very intense storm. God says, no, let the ship be torn apart, but no loss of life. You're in a church tonight that really has the hand of God upon her. I know it. Since the first time I came to this church, I felt, wow, look at this. In the middle of nowhere. How did this happen? God, I know this man's heart. I don't try to find out about his heart. I can just listen to him in the, in the car when he picks me up and his wife. And I just know him for years now. I can hear what his heart is all about when he teaches the people. And I say, Lord, if that is the man, then I want to be connected to him. Because if God is going to bless this region because of this man, then I want to make sure I'm connected. So that when the blessing comes, I'm included. Paul, tell all the men. They are all safe because you must stand before Caesar. The angel said nothing about their destiny, but he just said, I will rescue all of them because you must stand before Caesar. Wow. You are in the right place tonight. You are covered by God's grace. You are covered by his goodness. You're in a safe place tonight. You've heard a word that you need to hear. And God says, I want to show you power in every facet of your life. I'm ready to perform it to you. And Andre Fancel is a living testimony. It's not only the book of Acts, it still happens today. Church, I'm at the point where I'm afraid to discuss something with my wife in privacy because God hears it. Many, many years ago... We drove in our car on our way to the mall in Atlanta. And here comes a guy, and he drove by with a Harley Davidson. And you know, they have the helmet, and they have the leathers, and they have, and it's a show business. It looks like show. And here comes this thing, and it makes a lot of noise. There goes the Harley. And my wife never says things like that. And she said, now, we spoke about Harleys, but I don't want it because I just don't have time. And uh, when the guy went by with a Harley, my wife said, God's going to give you a Harley Davidson. I said, please, I don't want that. Now, that's never anything I've ever said to God in my bedroom. I've never said to her, I want that, never. I said to my wife, I said, oh, please, come on, man. I don't want a Harley. Oh, come on, I don't want a Harley Davidson. Two months later, I preached in Ohio. The pastor said to me, get me at the church. We're going to eat at the barn. Now, I heard you talk about the barn, so I thought I didn't listen because I don't listen well always. He said something about the barn. Actually, I arrived at the church, walked into his office, and he says, Andre, we need to go to the barn, but we're going to go and eat out. So I thought, okay, this is a new restaurant. It's called the barn. So we walked out of the church, and, and I walked to his car because we're going to go to the barn. I'm there for a meal. He says, Andre, no, we're first going to go to the barn. I said, no, where is the barn? Because I had to come to the church for a meal. We're going to go to a restaurant. And he said, no, there is a barn. I said, you, oh, I said, is that part of your property? He says, yes, that's part of our property. And, and there's a barn over there, and I just want you to walk over to the barn with me. Same as a God church. 
So this happened in the Assemblies of God churches. So we walk over to the barn, and I said, now what are we going to do at the barn? <laughs> because I'm hungry, man. It's 1 o'clock in the day. I don't have time for other appointments. Take me to a restaurant. I need food. And he said, Brother Andre, I've got some news for you. There's somebody in the church that gave you a Holly Davidson. I said, what? He says, yes, it's a fat boy. I said, what? He says, it's a fat boy. I said, what is a fat boy? He says, that's a certain kind of Holly. I said, brother, I've never even been close to a Holly Davidson. And immediately I remember my wife said, I said, oh God, that woman that you gave me, oh Lord, here it is. We went into the barn. It's an older fat boy, but it's in a very good condition. And we started, I got afraid when I just started the thing. I could hardly hold it up. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, that's why I normally only wear long sleeves because I look good when I'm covered. I don't. I'm not, a, I'm not a strong, I'm not, you know, I don't have a chest like other guys. Um, I can preach on the gym the whole day. I know what it looks like. Oh, man. Mirror. Oh, come on. Anyway, I called my wife. I said, you will not believe me. Somebody gave me a Harley Davidson, and it's called a fat boy. <laughs> she said to me, you got a Harley Davidson? I said, yes, you told me so. But you know what? I sold that Harley Davidson nine months later because the Harley Davidson was actually a gateway to another miracle. Phenomenal miracle. Something I asked the Lord in my bedroom. And God knew that when that miracle comes, there's no way I can do it. But He had to bring a fat boy into my life. is amazing hallelujah can we worship the lord come on give me give me some